Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. Over the next two episodes, we will look at the laws in India concerning the use of drugs. We do this of course because of issues arising from the Sushant Singh Rajput case or perhaps more specifically from the coverage of the case in some instances. We can broadly split these concerns into two and that's why we're doing this podcast over two parts. The first concerns punishment and sentencing. And in this episode we look at how the Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances Act, the NDPS Act, has evolved since it was introduced in 1985. This is a bit of an up and down journey where the law as it is introduced is harsh to begin with, is then made even more so, and then subsequently over the years there is a discussion about how there needs to be a more rational approach for punishment and sentencing based on the quantities when we're talking about drug possession it's precisely this element of rationality that seems to be missing in the coverage and discussion on the sushant singh rajput case in many quarters so this is an important discussion and issue to start with my guest today is tripti tandon she is a practicing lawyer based in delhi who is associated with the lawyers collective and works on drug policies and human rights tripti will join me again for our second episode where we talk about legalization of marijuana look at some prominent international examples and see where the discussion around that issue is in india today here's part 1 Tripti Tandon, welcome to the In Focus podcast, and thank you for making time for us today. Thank you, Jan. Just to begin with a broad question, and I'll draw the outlines here, and maybe you can fill in the details. So, India started out with a very harsh law on drug use and possession that was introduced in the eighties, and there was a lot of international, particularly American, influence in this. And um, it was so harsh that Parliament, in a rare instance, actually, uh, several years later. saw fit to reduce punishment and actually kind of rationalize the sentencing structure uh, this was this was in 2001 and yet what we're seeing on tv in the coverage of this uh, sushant singh rajput case seems to indicate rightly or wrongly uh, that we still seem to have this very harsh policy on uh, on drug use and possession of even a small amount you know there's discussion of even how uh, this small amount can cause imprisonment Uh, the start of a major investigation, etc. So, is this a reversal of all those discussions that took place on how harsh uh, the drug laws actually were? So, and perhaps just to start this podcast, we can briefly discuss um, how the NDPS law has evolved in India and how we have gotten to this stage. Okay, so uh, the NDPS Act is actually has been brought in pursuant to certain international agreements and conventions. that india signed back in the 60s and the 70s now under those conventions countries that were growing um, um you know cannabis opium coca typically the developing countries the global south they were given a grace period of uh, making their domestic law compliant within say 25 years so india hadn't done that and that's why the us pressure came in the 80s saying if you don't enact an internationally compliant uh, drug law then uh, you know we'll impose sanctions uh, on you 
So that's when India enacted the NDPS Act in 85, 1985. And it's been recorded that this law, which was a complete overhaul of our uh, regulatory system on narcotics, as you know, India has been growing opium, even cannabis, and they were legally regulated through the Excise and Opium Acts. So we did away with that system over a course of just four days. And parliamentary debates record the fact that the MPs were protesting that you're not giving us enough time to understand what this law is about and what its repercussions will be, especially on our farmers who have been growing poppy and opium for centuries uh, in parts of UP, Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh. Nonetheless, it's important to understand what the conventions require countries like India to do. So the conventions require countries to prohibit and control the non-medical and non-scientific use of narcotic drugs and psychotropic substances. And importantly, the conventions recognize that the medical use of these substances, such as morphine for pain relief um, and other psychotropic drugs for a whole host of mental health issues, that is indispensable. So that cannot be uh, done away with. And uh, the substances that require to be controlled under domestic law, that also comes from conventions. And that is why India was able to um, keep Bhang out of the NDPS Act, because Bhang is not strictly the, the uh, you know, parts of the cannabis plant, which don't have the fruiting uh, tops, just the seeds and the leaves are not required to be controlled internationally. Therefore, we have this exemption for Bhang, but not for Ganja and uh, Jaras. Um, the conventions tell us what activities require uh, controls and punitive controls. These include possession, sale, purchase, but not consumption. This is very important. The conventions do not require countries to criminalize drug use or a person who uses drugs. Uh, in terms of punishment, of course, it is entirely for countries. The conventions do not give any guidance as to you have to have this kind of severe punishment or lesser punishment. But yes, the conventions, because they are you know, part of international law, categorically rule out imposition of the death penalty for uh, drug offenses. Also, importantly, the conventions allow countries to for what is called minor offenses to have instead of punishment, instead of conviction and punishment, non-custodial alternatives. So alternatives like referral to counseling or uh, treatment, education, just, you know, just encouraging people to stay away from drugs. And unfortunately, India, while enacting the NDPS, didn't fully utilize this you know, this flexibility under the conventions, which allowed countries to have a different um, treatment towards minor offenses. Now, in 85, the act was already pretty severe with 10 years punishment and a very narrow window for someone who had what was considered small quantity at that time, a term not appropriately defined and uh, um, subject to some sort of official uh, notification. But 
but also that person was supposed to prove in court that the drug was meant for their personal use only then could they get slightly lesser punishment and most people could not most people either didn't have legal aid or their lawyers advised them do not admit to possession so if you don't admit to possession where's the question of you admitting that this is for your personal use so as a result people most people would get a uniform sentence of 10 years now the act was amended in within 4 years time that's in 1989 and made even more harsh even more draconian than uh, what was earlier and it was at this time that a mandatory death sentence was introduced for a subsequent offense involving drugs it right. was uh, also a time when uh, uh, you know stricter bail measures were introduced and you know the country thought that this is the way that we will uh, address uh, drug use but uh, so from the from the late 80s to the 90s you see a series of two important things i want to flag here one is the series of supreme court decisions where the the appellant before the court is typically a poor person found with very small amounts of heroin or cannabis or uh, you know alprazolam um morphine and just sentenced to 10 years and hefty fine and it is the court which laments the fact that why are people with such small amounts sentenced to very severe punishment and and there are many judgments where the court has no option but to acquit the person so that's important to note and second the national human rights commission itself co- uh, conducted a study on how the ndps act was working and recommended that it is too harsh and too disproportionate for people with small amounts getting such severe punishments and languishing in prison so based on these two factors the court decisions as well as the nhrc study parliament in uh, 2001 passed the th- uh, the second set of amendments to the ndps act and in a rare measure acknowledged that they had made a mistake in going overboard with the punitive policy in going overboard with uh, harsh punishments and decided to introduce what they called a rationalized sentencing structure which was based on simply the quantity of drugs now here again india is slightly different from other countries where it's not just quantity it's also other factors so you know the prosecution will look at the background of the case whether the person was found with say phone lists of users or right. typical users which may show that they actually not a user themselves that they are they are a dealer or if they have weighing scales or if they have material to cut the drug adulterants etc so uh, you know the range of circumstances is taken note of india didn't follow that india based the sentencing and in fact even the the trial uh, procedure purely on the amount of drugs thinking that if you have a small amount you will be dealt with more leniently if you have an intermediate the court has discretion 
in punishment and if you have what is considered commercial then you get a minimum sentence of 10 years now this at, at this time the uh, parliament also finally explored uh, the international convention's flexibility around minor offenses and uh, it's fair to say that people found with small amounts or offenses committed by people who are dependent on drugs themselves that's why addict a person who is an addict can apply for immunity under section 64a finally incorporated those flexibilities uh, in 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 the ndps act now that and, and you know it really made a difference because after that when you look at court decisions you don't find hardly find cases of people with small amounts uh, being prosecuted and uh, most of the decisions now are you know at least in the high court and the supreme court are cases involving commercial quantity and um, uh, intermediate quantity so what we are seeing right now with the television debate and what is being argued in in courts uh, in the case of people uh, accused uh, in the Sushant Singh Rajput case is that this entire framework of 2001 has been set at naught. Um, right. The government has argued that even small quantity offenses deserve serious punishment because the person involved is a celebrity and has failed to act as a role model. They've really stretched the law to say that you know simple activities of buying selling are part of this conspiracy of financing and you know harboring offenders so it, it is very unfortunate that uh, this is happening contrary to what parliament had decided to do in 2001. So I just want to touch again on what happened in 2001 because it is extremely rare for parliament to uh, to look at a law and say we're going to uh, downscale the punishment. Usually the opposite happens. So that uh, actually in our kind of legislative history was a pretty rare moment. Uh, do you think that makes it even more unfortunate now what we're seeing about, um, you know, these harsh punishments needing to be handed out uh, for these small uh, for these small offenses? Completely, because as we all know, the tendency of the parliament is to always, you know, increase punishment whether it's rape law, whether it's uh, sexual offenses, whether it's corruption, whether it's any other, the trend is always, the amendment always increases the punishment. Very rare, rarely does parliament reduce the scale of punishment or, uh, you know, or downscale uh, uh, the, in terms of imprisonment and fine. And so I thought it was a very rare moment in the history of Indian uh, Parliament to do that for um, drug offences. So, like I said, it was clear because the, none other than the Supreme Court of India was pointing out in case after case, hello, what are you doing? People would, you know, there was one case which really stands out. This is a person who had a few milligram heroin on him. And the case records point out that the, the market value of that heroin was 25 rupees. So obviously very adulterated and minuscule, like 5 uh, milligrams or something. And this person is sentenced to 10 years and pay a fine of 1 lakh rupees. 
So, you know, that's how harsh and uh, disproportionate the law was. And the burden was borne, as always, by poor people, street users, those dependent, uh, and those without means or resources. And uh, so I thought the 2001 amendments were really a watershed. And the complete reversal of that now, because the case involves uh, celebrities, is quite unfortunate. So uh, one concern with the Sushant Singh Rajput case is the quantity of the drug that is under possession um, and the other is the use of terms like uh, like trafficker and syndicate etc. So under the NDPS law are there, are there clear definitions to these terms or is this something uh, that more broadly uh, has really has the potential to be misused? Um, so like I said the NDPS act because it's modeled on conventions, the conventions simply list out activities that should be prohibited and controlled. And those activities include possession, buying, selling, transport, export, import, uh, distribution, supply, all those. Now, in India, what we did in 2001 was that we said it doesn't matter what activity you're engaging in. What matters is the quantity. So if the quantity involved is small, even if you are selling, you still get lesser punishment. It doesn't matter. So whether it's sale, whether it's purchase, whether it's transport, it's the quantity that is relevant, not the actual act that you are doing. So right. that seems to have been lost sight of uh, uh, now. Because people who, from the facts itself, people who are simply, you know, selling and purchasing or delivering the drugs, despite the fact that it's a very small amount, are being labeled as traffickers, as syndicates or drug mafia. And, you know, that, that is not how, uh, that's not how the law, law should be read. The second aspect is that we are really stretching uh, the law in terms of how it applies to financing of uh, you know drug activities conspiracy it's really quite a stretch if you ask me so just take the example that i am a, a consumer of drugs and i order from someone who i know provides you know how you can use the, the expression dealer now the dealer will obviously get it from somewhere that person will get it from somewhere. If it if the drug comes from, say, across the border or internationally, then that person will have links. And ultimately, if it is, say, cocaine, then the co coca will be grown in some country. Somebody would have grown there. And, you know, drug is whatever. There's a whole, whole chain behind it. But does it mean that I, or as the consumer, am part of that whole chain? I'm not. My connection is only with the person who I'm ordering the drug from. Right. So, and my uh, connection ends with that person. I'm not involved in any of the other activities. I don't even know who they are. I don't even know where this is coming from or who's the person who's brought it here, there. So my role, or even if you were to say conspiracy, ends with the person who I'm buying from. But this has been, you know, stretched to say that though you may be buying a small amount, 
the person down the line, down the line, down the line, they will have larger quantity. So you're all part of this larger conspiracy of, um, you know, illicitly trafficking and financing and harboring each other. And so all of you should have committed serious offenses and all of you are traffickers and syndicates and mafias. That again, I don't think the law should be read like that. Yeah, and um, I know that, uh, you know, recently the quality of data that we have about cases coming under the NDPS law has improved. So uh, what does recent data tell us about the kinds of cases that are coming under the ambit of this law and are being closed? Um, are these cases mostly for uh, small instances of drug possession? Or has there been this, uh, has there actually been this uh, aggressive pursuit of what we call, uh, what we can call traffickers or syndicates? So uh, up until 2017, uh, the government used to just provide flat figures of we've had these many arrests and these many uh, seizures and cases under the NDPS Act. There was no disaggregated data, um, whether it is, you know, in terms of the quantity description or whether they're serious offenses or minor offenses. But from uh, 2007 onwards, so now for 2007, uh, sorry, 2017, I didn't mean 2007, 2017 and 2018, the National Crime Records Bureau has released disaggregated data under the NDPS Act and classified uh, cases as either uh, commercial quantity and uh, small and personal uh, use offenses. Now, to me, this misses out on the third quantity bracket, which is intermediate quantity. But okay, let's let's get it for right. the moment. Now, uh, this data is showing that over sixty percent of the cases are uh, registered for small quantity and personal use offences. So clearly, the law is not being used for the purpose of clamping down on, you know, larger, uh, like larger uh, drug, drug syndicates or actors. Having said that, uh, I think even if you look at cases which involve, say, intermediate quantities or commercial quantities, and typically it is these cases which are appealed against from the trial court. So when you look at decisions of the High Court and the Supreme Court, you rarely come across cases of small quantity because, you know, people there are literally let off. And let me also just point out that under the law, an offense involving small quantity can simply be punished by a fine alone, that right. you don't need to even imprison the person. So uh, that I think that distinction has also been uh, lost sight of in the current debate. But coming back to the issue, so cases involving intermediate and commercial quantities also, if you just go through the case papers, most of these people are simply, you know, carrying the drug from X to Y. There are cases involving truck drivers, conductors, people sitting in Bullock cards sitting on gunny bags of poppy straw, opium, who are pretty much simply carrying the substance from one place to the other. So they are called drug couriers or mules. Um, and their role is minimal. They're typically paid some amount of money for this job, but that amount is pretty small. 
Right. And if you ask them, they don't even know. They barely know what they're carrying. Maybe they have some idea that this is a, 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 this is contraband, but sometimes they don't even know what it is, and they certainly don't know what quantity they are carrying and what is the implication. Yeah. Um, typically, women also. Uh, many of them are coerced into uh, doing this. Internationally, there have been many cases where women have been either trafficked themselves into drug offenses or, you know, forced by their partners or others to to do this. Um, unfortunately, under the NDPS Act, there is no room to look at these factors. If it's commercial quantity, straight away tenure. So there is no scope to uh, look at what would in other cases be a mitigating factor. The fact that I was coerced into it, I had very little knowledge of what I'm carrying, that I have no connection with anyone at the back or at the front of this uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, drug operation. All of these would be in, in you know, most uh, laws, it would be factors that would mitigate the severity of the punishment. But because NDPS doesn't allow that, you see, uh, you know, poor people who again bear the brunt of even the commercial quantity and uh, the, the stringent kind of uh, sections of the law. Tune in tomorrow for part two of this podcast. You're listening to In Focus by The Hindu. And you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts and others.